And it was just one video that went completely viral. And of course, like whenever you try to engineer virality, it never works, right? Never. <laughs> but like, it just happens randomly. So you have to like, keep trying, keep trying, like try different briefs, try different creatives, try different creators as well. Is technology making you feel less connected? Guess what? There's an app for that too. Welcome to Mobile Heroes Uncensored. My name, of course, is John Kutzier and our co-host is Peggy Ann Saltz. Today, we're chatting with the CMO of an app for couples. It's growing revenue 4X in just a year. It's top 10 in its category on the App Store, which is hard to do, by the way. Has a 4.7 rating, which is also hard to do. And apparently has a 98% success rate in helping couples communicate more. More openly. Peggy, who's our guest? Well, we have Jessica Bachego. She is, as you've pointed out, CMO of Paired. It's an app that helps couples feel more connected. I love this slogan. This must have come from you, Jessica. I don't know. Love more, stress less. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Peggy and John. I'm sorry, but that was not created by me, but I stand by it. I think it's so good, <laughs> right? Cool. Something we all need to do. So you, as our guest, as a person, you're a computer scientist by training, but you fell in love with digital marketing more than a decade ago. You've been working in both web and mobile campaigns globally. You've also worked at various digital agencies in Italy. But then, John, she moved to Berlin where she's become, mm -hmm. can I say my BFF? May I? I don't know. Oh, oh I love that. Oh, where she has become, and I will state this, synonymous with Blinkist. For years, she led performance marketing there, growth for six years. Her colleagues are impressed with her and they call her, and I love this, all of this is from what they're saying about you, Jessica, a marketing guru, a true ray of light in the office, they even Aww. quote Goethe when they refer to you and your abilities. Wow. <laughs> this is scary. Oh my God. Okay. Now, now I'm blushing. They call you a marketing power and a bit of a marketing Yoda along the lines of do or do not. There is no try, right? She is certainly a doer. It's enough of this. <laughs> oh my God. All of this love is too much. She's here today on our show. Welcome, Jessica. Oh my God. I want to be greeted like this every day, every morning. Can I, can I, can I do that? Well, I will be well, able you have because... to put it in your app. You have to create that in your app. I mean, you <laughs> get a little AI in your app to do it or something like that. Oh my God. I'm going to have to re-listen to, to this episode over and over again every morning. <laughs> okay. Just boost our stats. Perfect. That's all good. No worries. I'll do it. I'll do it. Oh, thank you so much. This is so kind. Jessica, let's start here. Is it possible for couples to communicate too openly? Too openly? Never. <laughs> <laughs> is it possible? Is it possible not to communicate? Definitely, yes. I feel that, you know, it's it's so interesting because before I joined Paired, I never really thought about it. The fact that your romantic relationship is probably the most important part of your life at a certain point not all the time, but like at a certain point, it's like really important. But like, what do you do every day to really take care of that? Personally, not so much because I'm so busy with like a million <laughs> of other things, right? And so, you know, I do so many things to take care of myself. I do meditation. I go to the gym. I take a journal. 
I do so many things. But when it comes to my relationship, I realize I don't actively do a lot of things. And that's where where paired comes in, right? What they do is like an app that every day prompts like questions and quizzes and games to feel more connected with your partner. And you can see each other's answer when, only when you answer yourself. So I found it so, so powerful because I think relationship care is a vertical that did not exist before paired came to, uh, to the app store. And it was finally, called counseling the... and it costs like $500 an hour. <laughs> exactly. But also, but also how many people do counseling before they are in a kind of a crisis phase. No, it's crisis mode. (laughs) Right? That's the problem. Like you do counseling when you have a problem, but what if there was a way to really prevent that so that you don't fall back in like not communicating, maybe over communicating, who knows? Um, You know, just keep having that connection. And I think that's why Paired is so so powerful. And I mean, I guess you can tell that I'm in love with the product. You're kind of sold. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, Wow. Yeah. Actually, I started to use the product one year ago. I was actually during my pregnancy, I got in contact with the founder and uh, we just did like a nice learning exchange. I guess people know that I'm a huge fan of learning exchange and just meeting with other companies, get to know them better, understand the challenges. And then I downloaded the app and I thought like, oh my God, this is genius. We use it a lot at that time. And then six months later, when I started to look around, because I was like, okay, I think I'm ready for the next step in my career. I, um, I remember I got an offer or two from other companies and I told my husband, I was like, don't know. It doesn't feel right. If it was something like paired and literally the day after I had an email from the founder telling me that they were looking for a CMO. So it was literally meant to be. Oh, wow. I'll tell you what, since you've been there, I mean, since January and being instrumental in driving four X increase in revenues, astounding. What? was maybe not the not the secret to this but what are three things okay in general you did to rocket revenues well three things first the team you know at the beginning i was the first hire in the marketing department and so i had to build my there was actually someone else but then they moved to another team so i had to build the entire marketing department. And so I, I've done it before. I was also the first hire in the performance marketing team at Blinkist. And so I kind of know how to build like a kick-ass team, I feel. I think I have a good good taste, <laughs> good taste. Um, and uh, yeah, I just build like a team uh, of like outstanding people taking care of like everything marketing related, brand, user acquisition and CRM. That was the first thing. The second thing, I think you, you know, Peggy, because I talked to you so many times about this topic. I'm, I am a fan of diversification. I don't like to really depend too much on just one channel. I love to diversify and like put my, have different bets. And that's the first thing that I did because I felt that similar to other early stage startups, Paired was depending a little bit too much on one platform. And together with that, I started to experiment with platforms that are maybe not the usual one that you would start with. I'm talking about influencer marketing. I'm talking about, I'm talking about like podcast advertising and so on. And then the third thing is actually um, UGC content. So I, we started to work a lot with influencers and content creators to create content for us that we can yes, the, then repurpose on either organic social media or paid acquisition. And it went great. Super, super interesting. Wow. Talk about the UGC and the video stuff that you did. Why'd you go there? And, and what, 
how has that changed the impact that you were able to make for marketing? So I think we went there a little bit randomly in the sense that we were like, just like trying different things. And I've seen this trend in the past on the creative side, in my experience at Blinkers as well, year over year, the trends really change a lot. So you have one year where video is all over the place and you need to, to use like these sharp, short videos, maybe really nice videos as well. Then suddenly it's all about static again. And you need to put these like really ugly creatives with like big numbers in it. And then suddenly nothing works again and you need to go back like video, but like more motion designer. Every year something is changing. And I mean, that's also like the beauty, I think, right, of this vertical and of working marketing. So what happened is that we actually wanted to experiment with influencer marketing because I am a strong believer of influencer marketing, such a powerful tool, both for user acquisition, but also for brand building. Mm -hmm. Because suddenly you can create these like strong connections with influencer. They talk about you um, and you become like a trustworthy brand because of the connections you make. So we were actually testing that channel. And then what we tried is that we did some tests with influencers and we thought, why don't we try to use that for user acquisition? And we tried these videos and I'm not joking, like they were insane. And then we doubled down on that and started to work more on content, um, on content production. That is one thing. The second thing is that there's that magic tool called TikTok, um, where actually what happens is that when you create a video and you put it on TikTok, it can go viral and generate tons of revenue. So that's also another like source of like, could be organic, although actually it's a paid video at the end that you put, but it can go viral and you don't even have to pay, you know, for like all these insults that you receive. Mm -hmm. So that's more or less what happened. It was like, just like searching for new channels, trying new things. And then it was like, hmm, it actually works. <laughs> that's awesome. It reminds me, Peggy, of somebody we were chatting to, I think about four or five episodes ago, who they had this massive spike in their yeah. installs. And they're like, what happened here? What's going on? And they found out sort of randomly that some influencer on TikTok had made a video using their app to do something cool. And that had just gone crazy, gone nuts, gone viral, and their downloads massively spiked without them actually being aware or knowing about it or paying anything. It was actually something similar for us. Like we were, it was a paid influencer, but the kind of the results that we, that they generated was insane. And we had like a peak, it was one of the high revenue peak um, for our app. And it was just one video that went completely viral. And of course, like whenever you try to engineer virality, it never works, right? Never. <laughs> but like, it just happens randomly. So you have to like, keep trying, keep trying, like try different briefs, try different creatives, try different creators as well. And something else also that I noticed with that is like, do not stop at creators that are similar to you. Because I think that's a mistake that I made at the beginning, especially my role at Blinkist. Um, at that time, I mean, Blinkist is more about education. So I thought business and politics, that's the way to go. We should stop with these kind of creators and influencer. It's not the case. Um, it doesn't matter. It depends on like who you're trying to target. But sometimes like a niche or something completely different, like health and fitness or whatever, like minimalistic moms, for example, they could work as good as like the perfect niche audience creator. You just need to find the right audience. And I mean, it's all about the CPM as well. Mm -hmm. Begs the important question, finding those creators and sort of letting them loose. Any thoughts on that? I mean, you find them, it goes viral. That's, that's really astounding. But there must be something in your mind about choosing the right one. Mm. I think, so there's one basic, let's say, rule that is like, 
it should be someone that you are, how do you say, you're proud to be engaging with, to be associating with. That's for me the first rule. When you start asking yourself like, oh, is this correct? You are already in the gray area. Probably you don't want that. So I will move away from that. Mm-hmm. So I think that how to choose the influencer is definitely someone that you're proud to be associated with. The second thing is how much passion they they put in their work. And like, you know, entertaining their audience. I had, I'm no joking. I, in the past, I did um, a podcast advertising campaign where we prepared a brief and the brief say like, you know, mention one of these three things. These are the talking points. And the host literally was reading the instruction in the ad. (laughs) Like, and now mention this thing. This app is amazing. And I'm like... Okay, I mean, one job, like, you know, you have to put (laughs) a little bit of effort, please. Um, So it's really like looking at someone that is like not just creating video, random videos, but really want to engage on their audience. And another really important thing is like, look at the engagement rate. So for example, if it comes to like content creators on TikTok, I will always look at the amount of like engagement compared to the amount of reach of their video. Um, you want to be between 10 and 15%. That's usually, usually like a really, really nice ratio. If it's lower than that, probably their content was boosted. And if it's more than that, well, that's amazing actually, but it never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> Except when you went totally viral. It is funny though. I mean, yeah. because I've seen it on YouTube. Um, one way to take a quick look, you see something with, oh, it's got 100,000 views and two likes. Hmm, what could have happened here? <laughs> I know, I know. And actually, I always do that. Like, if I see an ad that I like, I always go on the, on the comment section just to make sure like, okay, is this really good or not? Mm-hmm. If it's good, it's gotten engagement. It's not just gotten, uh, you know, views. It's gotten likes. It's gotten comments. It's gotten reshared yeah. or something like that. It's interesting. I, I love the concept of influencer marketing as, hey, take a lot of at-bats. Sometimes you'll hit a home run, but you got to hit a lot of singles before you hit a home run. But when you hit a home run, it's a big, big, big deal. How are you managing your spend there so that you're efficient, but have that opportunity to really hit that home run? Yeah, it's a really good question. So I think in the past, like in, I don't know, in the past, like seven, eight years, I've always been like really concentrating on the paid ROI, for example. So just looking purely at my performance campaigns and just making sure that they eat a certain uh, return on investment goal. And that's definitely okay. But I think if you want to, especially maybe test like different upper funnel channels, for example, probably the metrics that you want to look at is like the blended ROI. So instead of looking just at the paid um, at the paid installs or like uh, conversions, you actually look at the overall. And what you're trying to do is like you're trying to maximize the amount of customers based on the spend that you have. Some channels may actually not be performing as well as others. It doesn't matter. What you want is that you want to build balance. And so what I've, what I've done in my previous role and what I'm continuing to do now is like I'm trying to have every month kind of like a system where I distribute the, the cost and knowing the certain channels, they will actually be four times more expensive than other, but I need to have them in the mix because you have viral videos because maybe actually they bring me content that can be used for other channels. I just accept that I, I am unprofitable on certain channels as soon as the overall still looks good. 
you know, and then I can experiment with that. And of course, I tend to do that, especially in the good months. Like it is clear that depending on the on the verticals you're in, there are some months that are so much cheaper than the others, right? For example, mm-hmm. in the health and fitness, I mean, we know that January is a good month, right? Everyone mm-hmm. wants to go to the gym. Everyone wants to be in a diet. So it's just <laughs> a good moment. Um, that's probably the right moment where you want to test something like this and maybe be a bit more ambitious. While maybe in the months, like, I don't know, for example, all the time before Black Friday and, and Christmas is always usually really expensive. That's maybe the time where you don't want to experiment too much. I would, you know, I would just like keep it calm. But yeah, I always look at the blended instead of just looking just at the performance um, return on investment. I like that a lot. Blended metrics. I'm hearing so much about that. I have to dig a little deeper because I'd like to understand the data sets, the signals that go into that blend. You know, we don't have attribution, single source of truth is toast. So we don't go there. We have to look at data sets and signals from various different places to inform UA as well as retention strategies. What do you look at? I think that the metrics are all different, to be honest. Like I think when it comes to like acquisition, I definitely, as I mentioned, I look at, I mean, I look at metrics that I can understand at day zero, because this can tell me like, if I'm going to the right direction, that would be, for example, the cost per install, it could be the cost per trial, or if you have any other, um, any other events that actually is correlated somehow with the purchase, I will look at that. So let's say that you have, I don't know, an app like related to content, and it could be like the consumption of like X amount of content pieces, for example. Mm-hmm. And I would use that to to look at the campaigns. Then I would look at the ROI, of course, day eight, day 30, and one year. I would look at the payback period as well. That's a usually an interesting metric, just to understand how long does it take for you to get back all the money that you spend. Then I will look at the blended, blended uh, cost per, per install, cost per trial, and uh, blended ROI as well. And then I would go into like the engagement metrics and the renewal metrics as well, just to understand how things are going. Now, the the renewal metric is something really interesting because it tells you, I mean, from a business point of view, it's it's super important, right? You just you don't want to just bring people in. But at the same time, how can you really address renewal? When it happens, you know, in a year from now. So I always Mm -hmm. recommend maybe looking at something more short term. That could be, for example, monthly engagement. It could be cancellation. There's a lot of other metrics that you can look at just to make sure that you are, um, yeah, you're just making an impact. And then if you add on the mix, the web, uh, it's even more complicated. So I think a lot of mobile apps right now, even if they don't have a, a web app, like it's the case, for example, for Paired, they still want to use the website as a source of acquisition. So they will have paid content campaigns with Albert and Tabula. That's something that I, I did extensively at, in my time at, at, at Blinkist. You can have SEO efforts, you can have search campaigns, and you just drive people to the website. But then you have this additional step because people, you go to the website, then they click on a call to action, they go to the app store, then they download the app. So in that case, the metric that I like to look at is the view to sign up, where view is like a visit to the landing page and sign up would be like an account creation. So again, every place has its own metric. So Jessica, you joined the ranks of the Mobile Heroes in 2019, right? What a time to do it. (laughs) Because shortly after that, the world changed. We had Corona, we had iOS 14 privacy rules. Your life changed. Really interesting. Having a daughter and taking maternity leave. Then you come back 
typically loud and proud. You take a brand new position at a brand new company. Where did you get the courage to do that? Uh, thank you so much for asking. Like this is something that yeah, I think I didn't realize at the time, but now I'm like I'm so proud of that. And I think I started to realize because I share my story in a in a couple of podcasts, and and people like women started to reach out and tell me like, oh my god, it's so amazing. So your life did not end it because you had a child, and you can actually <laughs> you can get it all. You know, like you can be ambitious. And I'm like, yes. I think at the time, to be honest, I just didn't I didn't really think it through. Like I just felt like okay. I was off from maternity leave. Um, I was supposed to go back and I was at Blinkist for six years, you know? Um, so I don't know. It, it was an amazing time and I grew so much, but I just felt that it was time for me to move on. And my dream since day zero, you know it, Peggy, because I think I told you like the first time I met you, is like I wanted to be a CMO, not in a big company, but just like to be a CMO and lead the entire marketing department. So I was like, okay, let me see what's out there. And I just felt like I was a bit anxious because a lot of people actually told me you should keep your own job. You know, it's a safe job and you just do what you've done before. And, and then you can, you have more time to spend with your child. But I felt like, oh my God, I'm going to be so resentful of myself and maybe even of my family because I'm not going to be able to do what I love. And I just want to do something that excites me and then make sure that I still have a good life balance so that I have the time to spend with my with my kid. And so when I went out and looked for a job, I was really honest with everyone that I met. For example, when I joined Pair, the first four months, I was part-time because I was still I was still in my maternity leave. And they were, you know, super, super, super nice about it. They just understood and they never asked me to, you know, to do more time. I was also pretty clear on like, I'm not gonna be the one working 15 hours a day because I literally cannot do it. And I don't know, mm -hmm. I think I found the right company that supports me. Hopefully there are a lot of other companies out there and, you know, that will support women continuing their career, even having a family. And, and so far I made the right decision. You make the point, a lot of other companies out there. There are also a lot of other women out there, Jessica. I would love to hear from you how you would help them make a balanced decision here, because it's very easy to say, oh, you know, I have a family to support you know, mm -hmm. and make a, a flash decision they might regret and, and also doubting if they're going to choose the right way. What would be your advice to them? What would be your message? I think, think about what makes you, I mean, first of all, of course, you want to think about like way to sustain your family. That's the most important thing, but also that don't forget about yourself. You didn't lose yourself. You're still there. And I think that after maternity, that's a time where you don't feel a lot about yourself because for one year or even more, just gave everything to like this little creature. You don't even remember who you were before, but like you can go back and you can become your own person. So do that. And it doesn't mean that you have to change your job. Maybe it's like staying on your job, but taking on some different responsibilities. Maybe it's finding a hobby. Maybe it's finding something else that gives you joy. But like, just remember that you are a person and you need to take care of yourself. That's something that I've learned through my motherhood journey, I would say. It is pretty amazing. I was going to say, because um, obviously I don't have that experience, but 
I think maybe the equivalent that I can relate to is taking a sabbatical or taking some time off or something like that. And you worry, you know, if I do that, if I step away, can I come back? Can I be at the same level? Can I continue to progress? Mm -hmm. And I'm just really pumped that you were able to do that. You had the courage to do that. And you came back and you had the right company to do it. Don't ever work for Elon Musk. Um, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That probably won't work. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I agree with you. And I also had the same feeling. Like I thought, oh my God, you are away for like nine months. Your life is over, but it's not true. And as you mentioned, iOS 14 happened while I was away. And of course, I came back to a different world. Like I remember my first week at Pear, that was like, so where is this data? And it's like, no, 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 you can't see that anymore. What do you mean you can't see that anymore? <laughs> Apple did something. It changed. <laughs> it was it was shocking. But, you know, you learn like you, you learn to swim. Uh, you learn to live with that. And you actually can find even opportunities in things like this. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So... I want to talk a little bit about creatives. We hit that a little bit already. Um, Your advice to marketers is to stay away from gimmicky creatives. I kind of like gimmicky creatives. I don't know. Maybe it's vertical dependent. I don't know. What's your feeling about gimmicky creatives and why do you want people to stay away from them? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's, I think it's like, you know, doing something unusual, that will be okay. But I think just trying to have clickbait creatives. I think that's what I'm against because if you do something just because you want to shock people and like generate clicks, Mm -hmm. it usually never leads to like quality. Um, So my suggestion is like, first of all, come up with like your own um, creative ideas. Try to understand who you're talking to. Try to understand your user. If you have the possibility, run user research, market research, ask them what they're interested in, where do they spend their time, and then try to develop something that actually speaks exactly to these niche audiences and try to, I mean, try to understand also what you're trying to do with them. Are you trying to tell them, buy me, buy me, buy me, or are you telling them, hey, this is what a relationship care app is, and by the way, we're the best at that, you know? Like, you need to build, (laughs) you know already which one I'm doing, Um, you need to, like, just trying to understand what you're trying to do with these creatives and create something that resonates with your audience. And I mean, we all know that in general, ugly creatives are the one that works. Like, it doesn't matter. You spend, like, the budgets making something beautiful and amazing, and then you have, like, a frying egg in a pan, and it works. It has nothing to do with your app, and it works. <laughs> now, if it works... It's gimmicky. It's gimmicky. It's gimmicky. You're right. <laughs> if it works, good for you, but then just make sure that you go a little bit deeper, and you check also if these users are converted, because in the past, it happened to me that I have, like, tons of people, like, even sharing an ad, but then these people were not converting. And do you want this? Mm-hmm. Probably not. No, no, you've spent a lot of money for those people to not convert. And that really sucks. Where do you sit on the how much creative to create? Because uh, there's some people who want to create literally thousands, tens of thousands of variations, right? Or let AI create that many. And there's others who, and we've talked to them, Peggy, we've talked to like, um, maybe even Supercell, those types, they'll, they'll create like one, or maybe three, and use them for months. Where do you sit? I sit in the middle in the sense that there's kind of an 80-20 rules, like 80% of your creatives won't work, maybe even more than that, maybe 90, let's say the 10-90 rule, let's make it up. Um, And only 10% would work. So my recommendation is like, I think you need to test a lot to find the one that works, but then 
it's usually, at least it never happens to me that I found the creative and like it worked right away. I found the creative, it shows potential. And then I double down on that. I start creating iteration of that, modifying the intro, the outro, changing the colors and so on. And that's when it starts to work. So I don't think that you have to create thousands of creatives, but definitely, you know, to create like at least five to six different concepts every two weeks, that makes sense. You test them, but then it's not that you have to create something new all the time. When you find something that works, you mm. need to like double down on that to make it work even more. And I'm not joking. I spend millions on the same creatives in a profitable way. Millions on the same things, iterated, slightly changed. Like you can really like once you found them, they're like gold, but you need to experiment a lot before you find them. You're also very focused on brand. You're a CMO, so you have to grow. And that means telling us about the app, but also telling us about the brand. Now, we know the rule. We've seen the studies. Rule of seven says that repetition is key. People need to see a message at least seven times before it sinks in. What's your experience and how do you apply this to your creative strategy also since you're building a brand? Yeah, it's such an interesting question. And, you know, I'm really passionate about brand, although, you know, I'm... I'm a number person. Like I come through the performance marketing sign, but you know, I need to grow up. Stop looking at the numbers. <laughs> no, um, I, I think that on the long term, if you want to have a successful product, you need to build a strong brand because a lot of the choices that we make every day, that sometimes they're not really based on, that they're based like on the, on the things that we know on brands. Like you buy a certain thing just because you associate that with an emotion, with something. And I think that's what you want to mm -hmm. do with your product. So when it comes to creatives, I believe that you need to like, not just do things that sells, like buy the subscription now, buy the subscription now, but you need to try to like create the emotion that resonates with your brand. Every creative that you put out, you need to make people think. So it's not that you have to like lead them to download the app all the time. You can give them a piece of content regarding the relationship. You can tell them how they can have a better communication. You can make their life better. And then where they'll see that, you know, the performance marketing creative, they will click on it because they think, oh my God, you're a trustworthy brand. Uh, you already made my life better. So yes, take my money. I'm going to download it. I'm going to do it. So what I'm trying to do is like, I'm trying to build... Um, a funnel kind of campaigns where we have like more awareness campaigns where we try to like put the words out about who we are, working with PR, for example, working with like experts and therapists, working with like big publication. And then I have the performance marketing ads that do the job. And, you know, they take all these people that I heard about us and they translate them in like people in the app revenue. Also, the best marketing campaign that you can ever do is like having your user talking about you. So really focus on like mm -hmm. either virality or like sharing and word of mouth. It's also like a metric that I look at on a daily basis. And it's it's crucial because you can bring in all the people that you want, but if they go away, if they run away, they don't talk about you, you're never going to able to be profitable. So again, I'm spending a lot of time on that, but it all goes back to like, how much do you know about your audience? And to be honest, that's the project that I'm spending most of my time with. Market research, user research, segmentation, understanding what is the addressable market? Where are these people? What do they like to do? What challenges are we trying to solve for them? Why are we good for them? I need to keep iterating because the market is changing so fast. So yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty intriguing world. 
I love that. I absolutely love that. It's more pull than push, right? It's being what somebody wants rather than yelling at them and telling them, hey, take this, get this, buy this, pay for this, come to. All. I absolutely love that. That makes a ton of sense. And that will actually serve you very well in the long term as well, because somebody's built some positive impressions around your brand. We have to wrap this up. This has been amazing, incredible. We have to do this again. I don't know. I don't know how soon we can have a guest again, Peggy, but maybe it's a year. I don't know what, but we have to have her again. The market research thing has me going now, John. Have you ever had a marketer here who is doing market research, seriously getting in there, getting hands dirty, um, building a segment? I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. But it is, it is very cool. Okay, cool. So we'll have you back. It's, it's yes, settled. Don't do. Um, I love that. It's a, it's a date. It's exactly. a date. <laughs> it's a date. Great. We don't know when we, we don't know how, but we will do it. Uh, to close then we would like to have your most uncensored opinion about any aspect of mobile marketing. What is it? Oh my God. Someone will hate me. <laughs> That's okay. We love you. I hate, <laughs> I hate search. I just hate search so much. <laughs> um, I think like, you know, in my years I've been, I didn't realize, but I focus so much on display ads. And so for me, the visual aspect is like connected with marketing at this time. Although I started my career in Berlin, taking care of like search campaigns for Italy and APAC for, for kayak. So that's, that's pretty fun. Maybe that's why I hate it. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I... I think like I've seen, I think search is like such a different game because it's only like text and there's, I mean, there's not much that you can do because right now you have these like big players that spend all the money. So if you are in the educational space, you have, you know, Audible or all these kind of things. If you are on traveling, oh my God, it's like so expensive. And I just feel that I am so happy to see that we're moving a little bit away from that. Because I, I use it, to be honest, now as a tool for like understanding brand, because if people look for your name, then you know, mm-hmm. you know how much interest mm-hmm. they are. But yeah, that is probably my opinion that is like, I think it's like, I think it's going away. And I think we should all like focus on display. And I know it's not possible because still a lot of people like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, look at. And I don't think it's going away, but I love the ultimate thought <laughs> process. I absolutely love it. And I think it. especially, sorry, just like to clarify, paid search. I think that's where like I'm, I'm feed up, especially when you look at like even Apple search. I mean, now they're going to hate me even more. But like, do you know a company that is spending a lot of money on Apple and on Apple search ads? Um, it's really hard. And they, I mean, especially yeah. like when I started, I remember them recommending us to just bid on everything, even people that were not competitor. And I think that's what bothers me because I'm like, I want to buy traffic that makes sense for me. I just, I don't want to steal traffic from others. Maybe I'm just like a, such a nice person. I don't want to like steal <laughs> traffic. Nice. <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. So yeah. Oh my God. They're going to hate me. Let's see. That's okay. They will love you later. You still spend money there anyway. So it's all good because you want to understand your brand. So that's perfect. And I love, Hey, this is great, Peggy. This is why we ask for the most uncensored pain. Yeah. 
Okay, final thing, top three tips for subscription apps going into 2023. It's going to be a crazy year. We still have some remnants of COVID and variants. We still have high inflation rates. The economy is still kind of in a crapper. There's a war going on in Europe, and there's so much more that's happening. Privacy Sandbox for Android will be launched in 2023, right? Scan 4 will actually come into the market and the ecosystem, even though it's been launched now, it'll actually enter the ecosystem in 2023 what are your top three tips hmm really hard i would say the first one is stop depending too much on data just because we've seen it with ios 14 you cannot measure everything so you need to learn how to survive in this new world and it's only going to get worse like don't don't fool yourself yes they say that there will be like different kind of things you're going to be able to see more is not going to happen. So just like embrace this and like try to live without and optimize your campaigns or calculate. Embrace the hopelessness. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just like make sure that you, you know, you can grow even without having like the full visibility on what's going on. The second thing is like, and I'm, I mean, this is an old thing, but like stop depending too much on paid acquisition and start building your brand just because it's something that I really believe on. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I think don't underestimate the power of social media. Like I think, I mean, everyone was like, oh, social media is that. It's still like the main channel. Um, All the companies are spending on Meta now on TikTok. It's like, it's such a powerful channel. And especially for the early stage startup, I feel like social media is like where you can do PR without having to pay an expensing agency. So like keep doubling down on that and keep using that. Nice. Really good. Really good. And no one will hate you for that one, Jessica. (laughs) Awesome. It's been a great show. So many great tips, but also good insights into, yeah, the reality of it all and how you're handling not just, you know, your life and how you take on your challenges, but also the challenges of marketing in a very complex world. It was every minute pure gold. Thanks so much. Thank you so much, Becky and John. Thank you so much, Jessica. It was a great pleasure to chat with you. And thank you to all listeners. We really do appreciate you. Hope you're enjoying it. Let us know on social if you are. And let us know if you want to come and we'll have you on the show. If you're a mobile hero or you know of someone who is, then fill out the interest form over at shorturl.at forward slash JKSKT. Also, Liftoff has a Slack for mobile heroes and people in the mobile ecosystem. There's a link on the screen, and if you're listening to the podcast, it's at info.liftoff.io slash slack dash sign up. It's pretty cool. There's smart people there, and you know what? They probably need you too. And you have probably been completely blown away by all the insights on this show, and you want your transcript, and you can have it because the transcripts are over at Liftoff's website. Go to liftoff.io, click on Heroes, and then click on Podcast. I actually personally love transcripts because I read way faster than people talk. So that's a great way to get insights really, really quickly. Until next time, this is John Kutz here. Thank you so much for joining. And this is Peggy Ann Saltz signing off for Mobile Heroes Uncensored. <laughs> <laughs>